kill me! Don't kill me, man! What are you? I'm Batman. The night is darkest just before the dawn. And I promise, the dawn is coming. The dawn of the sleeper white draft genius. I know you've fallen for the other draft kits before. But do you know why we fall? So we can pick ourselves back up and pre-order the sleeper wire draft genius. Batman has no limits, and neither does the sleeper wire draft genius. Go to the sleeper wire Patreon page. Don't let your path to fantasy glory die like my parents did. Help me save Gotham and your fantasy football season by pre-ordering the sleeper wire draft genius now, and become a sleeper wire Patreon. Hold up, hold up, wait. Let's stop, cause I have an awesome show for you today. But first, I want to get something off my chest. Stop the overanalyzing. Stop all of this. This is getting to be ridiculous. We start thinking and thinking and thinking on every single little bit of news that pops up. Not every little bit of news is true. A lot of it is just for clicks. Names like Lance Lenore, KD Cannon, JJ Nelson, Dalton Schultz, Terrence West, Ryan Grant, Blau Powell, etc. will all continue to get hyped this offseason. Don't let the wool be pulled over your eyes. This is not the truth. One of them may hit, but that's one out of a hundred. And if you're constantly picking up, dropping, picking up, dropping, picking up, dropping, after every little piece of news you hear, you're going to make a huge mistake eventually, and it will bite you right in the ass. Ignore all of that and think for yourself. Look at the beat reporters. Look at the one or two analysts that you follow very closely and see what they think. Don't trust a hundred different people. If you don't have any guidance and you're trying to get as much information as you can, how will you get to where you want to be? Pick one, two, or three analysts and follow them. Trust them. You can even blame them if they lead you to make a bad mistake. But that's on you to choose who you follow and listen to. Don't listen to every Tom, Dick, and Harry telling you, oh, this and this, this and this. No, half of that's wrong. Don't trust an app that spits out news coming from live feeds. Read the news yourself. Divulge into it and figure out if it's true. And that'll be your decision because you are the only one that can control the outcome of your team, not everyone else. All that overanalyzing does is confuse you. There's guys right now like Andrew Luck, Lamar Miller, Carlos Hyde, and a bunch of others that are all getting hate right now. These are the guys that may end up giving you a championship this year. You might be able to buy them on the cheap and boom. They blow up and have a wonderful year. Andrew Luck is most likely going to be a top five quarterback this year. Lock it in. He's going to start week one. Buy him while you can. I'm just tired and sick of all of these people overanalyzing news. Yeah, they're using it to trade rate people to their advantage, but they're also believing a lot of it. I don't believe Alan Hearns will be the wide receiver one for the Cowboys. Are you kidding me? No, sir. No, ma'am. Not happening. No, 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 no. We're smarter than that. You have to do what you can to succeed. And this is one of the keys to success. 
Don't overload yourself with information. Get it in increments from places you trust and make the best informed decision that you can. Grab the Draft Genius Kit. It's going to be the best draft kit on the market. I give you my word on that. The most in-depth has something for every single type of league, even if it's a super flex, two tight end, half season league. It'll have everything that you need to succeed in any league. Donate to the Dynasty Wire Patreon and the Sleeper Wire Patreon also. All of these things that I just told you will help you win that fantasy gold. Get ready for a wild ride on today's show. Have a fantastic guest and you will not be disappointed. The question that often comes comes up from students is, what do you mean when you say dynasty? Right. What do you mean when you say dynasty? See the king, stay the king. Alright? So how do you get to be the king? Y'all don't know how to play chess, do you? So? So? So nothing, man. Look, I'll teach y'all if y'all want to learn. Welcome to the Dynasty Wire. I'm your host, Draft Genius. After a brief hiatus where I was perfecting the Draft Genius kit and making sure it is so perfect for all of you listeners, I am back with a super, super show for you people today. This is someone I love reading his work. I love listening to his show. This is an amazing guy in this industry. You can't really hit the nail on the head too many times than this guy has already done at the quarterback position. But you know what I love? Speaking of that, quarterbacks. They're the most volatile position in fantasy, and you can easily find a top 15 or even a top 12 guy in the last five rounds of your draft, or even on the waiver wire, as we saw last year. Today, my guess is none other than the one and only late round quarterback master himself, J.J. Zacharyson. He's here with me today, and I cannot be more excited than what's about to happen and unfold on the show. This will be loads of information, so do as always, get your pad and your pen out, get ready for the cheat codes to a fantasy title. You can find JJ on Twitter at LateRoundQB. What's up, what's up, JJ? Let's, let's burn this thing up. What's going on? Not much, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, thank you. I've been waiting. You know, I wanted you to be kind of the first big name guy because I am a big believer in the method of getting quarterbacks late in your draft. I mean, that maximizes the value, right? Is there any position that's more volatile than quarterback? No, I mean, it's crazy. You know, I think that there's this notion out there that we can predict quarterback performance, season long performances way better than we can predict running back and wide receiver performances. Uh, So a lot of people, you know, they might get interested in someone like Aaron Rodgers each year. This year, Deshaun Watson, people love. And they feel safe whenever they draft Aaron Rodgers early or Tom Brady early. But really, there's there's no stronger correlation between average draft position and fantasy points scored at the quarterback position than there is at running back and wide receiver. It's just a complete narrative out there. Um, But then obviously, the big reason you can get them late is just because you're starting one of them as opposed to starting more than, you know, two or three of them at running back and wide receiver. 100%. And obviously, you know, you mentioned you start one of them. If you start in two, 
what is the highest you would advise taking a quarterback? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I actually just did a really deep dive study on Superflex and two, two quarterback leagues over on Number Fire um, last week. Uh, it's just a long, long study. Uh, I try to dig in and look at every angle possible. And one of the things that I think goes overlooked when uh, drafting in those Superflex leagues is the predictability aspect of things. And what I mean by that is, Going into a given week, you know which quarterbacks are starting in that game. You don't know what type of touches an RB2 is going to get or a wide receiver 2 is going to get and so on. Um, and as a result of that, you should be buying predictability later in your draft, even in a super flex league, uh, because you know that a guy like Andy Dalton or someone like Ryan Tannehill, even though they're not very good, um, you know that they're going to be throwing the ball 30 plus times per game. Uh, you know that they're not going to be replaced unless they get injured. So uh, basically, the conclusion of the Superflex article, after doing a lot of data uh, research and, and looking through as many angles as possible, was to kind of get a platoon going with with lower tiered guys. You know, I'm not saying get the the Josh McCowns of the world, um, but getting like guys like Dalton and getting Tannehill because they do have spiked weeks. They still have those spiked weeks, and since they are more predictable, it's easier to predict predict in a given week when those spikes are going to happen. Right, right. So don't get Josh McCown. That's the number one rule. Yes, definitely. Don't get Josh we don't want a quarterback who's going to first off Superflex is a big deal to have a quarterback that's, I mean, efficient the whole year. Right. You know, exactly. You, want, you want the you starter. Don't want somebody who hits and miss. Yeah. You don't want somebody who's just going to start a few games. You want the starter for the season. So that's number one in Superflex. Be sure you got the starter because. I can't roll with a Josh McCown the whole year and yeah, right. just wonder about what's going to happen next. Uh, let's start it off with a bang, man. A huge boom to everyone who's listening. Who is your quarterback sleeper this year and why? Yeah, I mean, I think that we can define that a lot of different ways. If we're looking strictly at value, which is kind of how I saw it, you know, I, I think that there are, are late guys or guys who are just being undrafted right now that that I do like. But if we're looking at guys who are being drafted um, and there, I see them more as just a value or guys who can far exceed expectation. First guy that pops into my head is Marcus Mariota. Um, so he's going in that QB two range. Uh, his first two years in the, in the league, he had a 5.1% and a 5.8% touchdown rate last season that fell to 2.9%. Tennessee was the only team last season with fewer passing touchdowns than rushing touchdowns. And that, that might seem bad and it might seem like that, that Mariota wouldn't be someone that you want, but that's just regression. We're going to see regression this season. Uh, we see fluctuations all the time with touchdown rate. We see fluctuations all the time with how teams score touchdowns, whether it be on the ground or through the air. So I think Marcus Mariota, uh, given the fact that we know that he can do a lot of damage with his legs. Um, and then obviously, you know, Corey Davis is, is another year in the league. Uh, hopefully that helps too. And then I do want to throw out just for this season per, in, in particular, I'm a little bit intrigued by Eli Manning. Um, I'm I'm not a big Eli guy. Uh, I don't think that he's anything special, um, but there's a great stat from uh, Rich Rebar who writes for Roto World, one of my good friends in the, in the fantasy industry. He tweeted that 32 quarterbacks over the last 20 years um, with a tight end one, a wide receiver one and an RB one um, when they've had those players finish in those slots on their team, uh, all but one of those 32 quarterbacks finished at QB 14 or higher in that season. Um, and it, it's not surprising uh, simply because if you're obviously, if those players are performing to that level, uh, it's the quarterback who's probably helping them get to that level. So if, if OBJ and say, and Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram all hit their expectation from an ADP perspective, then we should expect Eli Manning to far exceed his. 
Wouldn't that be great for everyone on the team to hit where they're being drafted? To yeah. just to just hit that, you know, predicted stat line that we have for the year. That would be awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not in, insanely optimistic, especially about someone like Evan Ingram. I think OBJ and Saquon you can feel pretty comfortable with. But look, if it happens, and the other guy that's that's in that same boat as Eli Manning is is Pat Mahomes. So two very very interesting guys this year. Hey, I love Pat Mahomes. Yeah. I, I also love this guy. Okay, here's a little trivia question for you to start it off. Uh, the past three seasons, he has a 1.29 percent interception rate and it only trails Tom Brady his 283 carries are for a thousand five hundred seventy five yards and 14 touchdowns and that's only behind Cam Newton who do you think I'm talking about here I'm gonna assume you're talking about Tyrod Taylor that's the man Tyrod the man with the plan um, you know reports are coming out that's saying it's Tyrod's team, you know, and uh, rightfully so. I mean, he's the veteran they brought in, and Baker's super talented, but they're saying he's nowhere near, you know, Tyrod at this point. Do you think he starts the whole year, Tyrod, or do you think after that bye week, I think it's week eight or week nine, they put the Baker experience in and see what he can do? I think it's going to be interesting because I do think that the Browns are going to be more competitive than probably, I mean, definitely what Vegas thinks and what consensus thinks. Um, not only because they're they're more stacked than what folks realize, I think, but um, the AFC isn't as strong as the NFC, so the competition is not going to be as rough. My issue in general is that I don't know how Hugh Jackson thinks. Um, it's it's he's he's a very very inconsistent head coach. Yeah, we no saw, one does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We saw him handle the quarterback situation in Cleveland last season in a pathetic manner. Um, so, you know, I could see Tyrod hypothetically playing the whole season, but like, you know, like you noted, I think that the, it's going to come down to probably just recency bias. And if he can get off on the right foot and, and start to play well right away, which I think, you know, you sound confident of it. I'm pretty confident in, in it as well. Um, but it'll be interesting because the instant that Cleveland, you know, if Cleveland is competitive in some way, and the instant that Tyrod screws up, we could see a similar situation as we saw in Buffalo last year where they just throw in that rookie quarterback. Obviously, Baker Mayfield having a much better profile than what Nate Peterman had. And by far better supporting cast because this is yeah. an amazing wide receiver core. I mean, you have yeah. Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, Corey Coleman, who I think will get traded, but that's you know not in this conversation. Antonio Callaway. I mean, the list goes on, and then you have Chubb, Hyde, and Duke Johnson, and Najoku. Yep. Come on. This is, I mean, any quarterback would salivate at having these weapons. Yeah, it's hard It's hard to see Tyrod fail, given the situation. Definitely, and I mean, besides Tyrod, Baker, if he keeps doing what he's doing, you know, shouting on people like Cowherd and stuff, like he did today, mm -hmm. he's, he's going to get that reputation to where... He's not going to want to be messed with. He's going to be the boss. He's going to be a leader. If he can stand up to people like that, he'll stand up to anybody on the field. And yeah. I think that'll help get the locker room on his side if you know the time comes sooner than later. So you gave two, and I'm going to give an extra one just to kind of match you, get on your level. I'm going to go with Joe Flacco. That's, okay. you know, I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan. For anybody who listens to this show knows that Lamar Jackson will be the GOAT one day. That's what I firmly believe, and no one can tell me otherwise. You know, I'll talk their ear off until they believe me. But if Joe Flacco can do what he did, I think it was in 2014, 
he had what was it? I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was approaching four thousand yards, if not four thousand yards, and twenty-seven touchdowns. That's a quarterback that I'm okay with getting in the late rounds. I mean, you see him go undrafted. Now, granted, in 2014, he had Steve Smith. You know, he had Torrey Smith. He had a good running game in Forsett and Bernard Pierce. The weapons he has now can be argued to be just as good. You got Crabtree. You got Willie Snead, John Brown. If John Brown stays healthy, we saw what he could do, be a 1,000-yard receiver in uh, Arizona. He also has Alex Collins that they're – saying they're going to commit to so they're going to have a stable run game and he also has kenneth dixon coming back which kenneth dixon uh, i'm sure you remember last year he was supposed to be the guy yeah he was supposed to be the you know the workhorse back and he can also catch passes they have him coming back and they also have javorius allen who wasn't a joke himself last year when he was forced to start so they have efficient weapons for him, and then they have Hayden Hurst, Mark Andrews at the tight end position. I think they still have Max Williams, who they invested, uh, I think, a second-round pick back then on him. I mean, the guy has weapons. You know, just like Eli needing to prove something, I think Joe Flacco feels like he has to prove something too. Yeah. So that would be, I guess, my second guy. You know, I'm getting him – if I'm not drafting a quarterback completely and I'm just streaming the position from the waiver wire, mm-hmm. I'm going to go Joe Flacco, I think, and uh, Tyrod, and just as long as it's not Josh McCallum, because I, I think Sam Darnold starts week one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not on the McCallum train. <laughs> he's, he's by far one of the smartest quarterbacks. I'll say that. But yeah. he just, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. All of that's a mystery right now. We're only in June. We're just trying to predict the most evident things that we can find i mean things that we can find information to back up that's what we're leaning on and hey more than not those things prove to be right so on to some news just quick little bullets for you eric decker said that he thinks he'd be a good fit with the patriots what do you think about that? um i think that in a vacuum it makes sense uh decker can play the slot really well obviously edelman suspended but I think that we're kind of past peak Decker. Uh, so when you take it out of the vacuum, uh, it doesn't make nearly as much sense. I, I totally agree. I read that, and I'm a huge Eric Decker fan. I like yeah, him a lot. Same. But last year, after watching him play, I was like, eh, I don't know about all that. I don't know, which maybe, like you brought up the Titans earlier, maybe it was just their passing game. But I don't know. I think Eric Decker is kind of – approaching not the washed but the steep steep decline so i don't know we'll see on that but the most interesting news i've seen is terrell owens is 40 did you see that yes four four three. yes i mean <laughs> we know the guy can ball but i'm curious on why no one's after seeing that speed why no one has even worked him out or anything i mean i know he's old but I mean, some teams he could be their wide receiver one, right? I mean, <laughs> I, it, yeah, I mean that would be that would be quite a, a feat for him to come back and be a wide receiver one like that. I mean, you know, I don't know what he looks like in pads. I don't know what what that situation would be like. And I, I I'll be honest, I'm a little bit skeptical of that. You know, of any time that you can you you are clocking a dude running a forty when you have no idea what the, if the distance is right. 
you got Julio Jones as one of the guys who's clocking it. So <laughs> I'm I'm definitely a little bit skeptical about that, just given given Tio's been out of the game for quite a bit. I mean, it could have easily been. This isn't out of the picture at all. Julio goes to Tio and says, "Look, I want to piss off the Falcons. I'll work. We can work out together. You know, you work me out for free, and I'll put this little video around where you run a four four three forty. How about that?" And they work exactly. something out like that. You know, it could have been some little shenanigans behind the scene. Uh, that's, I mean, look, he's fast. And I know uh, CFL team already declared interest in them after the film. So evidently it did something for him. But he's also very old. And I don't yeah. think he can even be nearly productive as Larry Fitzgerald, who I think is the oldest receiver in the league, if I'm not mistaken. I, I could be totally mistaken. So at least at least someone from from us who's getting a lot of work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's the he is the Cardinals offense. I don't think T.O. can go in and be a whole offense, you know, in the passing game. But I could see him playing for the Jets. I could see him playing for the Colts, you know, right. just a little a little big play kind of guy, you know, good for one or two runs down the field per game. I don't know how conditioned he is. He might be fast, but not conditioned. So I'm not too sure. Um, that's, that's really all the news I got. I had one on Martavis Bryant. The Raiders are, you know, fearful he'll get suspended again. But right before this show, uh, I got a message sent to me that said, it's in, it's a fact that Martavis didn't fail or miss any drug test. So it wouldn't be drug related. So maybe they're just paranoid. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big Martavis Bryant fan and I'm a huge Oakland fan. That's my team besides the saints. So to see him go to Oakland, I was very, proud that Gruden made that move because all of the other moves Gruden made looked like he was trying to destroy Oakland from the inside out. Yeah. So that's somebody I enjoy. I uh, see your Pittsburgh fan, you know, I am. you're all, all things Pittsburgh, uh, the penguins, right? You're a big, yes. Yeah. Big, guy. big penguins fan. Uh, pirates. Are you a yes, pirate? Actually guy? wearing a pirate t-shirt right now. Look, I love McCutcheon. Yeah. I miss him. I love McCutcheon. He's like I stopped baseball completely. And then whenever I saw it's Andrew McCutcheon, right? Whenever I saw Andrew McCutcheon, I said, man, that guy is going to make me like baseball again. I started watching him and I was like, goodness gracious, this guy is good. This yeah. guy is awesome. And then whenever he went to San Fran, I said, what just happened? Yeah, because I was getting me a Pirates jersey and all, bro. That was gonna be nice. So I'd love Pittsburgh sports, basically, is what I'm getting at. Love Juju. My favorite rookie this year is none other than Jalen Samuels. What do you think oh, about this guy? I think it's gonna be interesting. I think for, you know, I think that he's gonna be one of those players who's better in real football than fantasy football, uh, just because you can deploy him in so many different ways, and you know, he can he can confuse defenses. Um, of the Steelers draft picks, I'm actually super pumped about James Washington. He was one of my favorite pros- wide receiver prospects uh, entering the draft, and I-, I think that they can slot him in that Martavis role pretty seamlessly. So we'll see. I think that that uh, Washington has kind of like a, a low-key, decent volume projection here in year one. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be like a starter in fantasy leagues, but I think that he'll probably see a little bit more volume than what most people think. Yeah, that was actually my next question, so thank you for reading my mind. Um <laughs> Going to the Jalen Samuels part before I get too far ahead, where do you think he's going to play? Because I've seen him play in a lot of running back, you know, at 
the little practices and stuff that the Steelers are having right now. Nothing big. They're not having any crazy practices, but they're doing a little bit of workouts. He's working out a little bit with the running backs. They moved him to uh, um, kind of like a extended tight end, you know, in the slot receiver, yeah. kind of what Mark Andrews did in Oklahoma last year. So they did that with him. He played tight end at right. NC State, and he actually led the team in rushing as a tight end, which is kind of crazy. So where do you think he fits on that team? Do you think yeah. eventually next year, you know, the whole contract dispute with Le'Veon, do you think Le'Veon ends up going somewhere else and then they have the Le'Veon replacement in Jalen Samuels? I don't see that necessarily happening. Um, only, only because I mean, obviously the athleticism's there, and obviously the upside's there. Um, but you know, I, I still think that usually those tweeners, when they translate to the NFL, it's usually still in that type of capacity, in that Swiss Army knife capacity. So I think that you know, if they do say bye to Le'Veon Bell, which is certainly possible, um, I think they either go back to the draft next season, see what they can get. Um, James Connor's obviously still there. So I think that they might end up just kind of moving into more of a committee role where where Jalen Samuels could be more of that third down guy um, for them with with James Conner, whoever else they would draft uh, being more of that early down bruiser. But, you know, we'll see. I, I don't think Jalen Samuels, at least this season, will have that much of a role just because they do seem high on Vance McDonald, uh, who can who can play that tight end spot. And then obviously Le'Veon Bell's there, too. That was my third question about the Steelers, the tight end, but we got your answer. Vance McDonald, <laughs> that's the guy you want there. I like Jesse James, man. I just, I don't know why. Whenever I watch him, I enjoy watching him. Vance McDonald just, I don't think he got the chance to shine in San Fran. Yeah. You know, he's super athletic. This guy yeah, exactly. Crazy right. that, athletic. That's the upside with Vance for sure. Hugely. Uh, the, the one thing that I love about Jalen Samuels was his college target share. It was like, you know, 97th percentile college target share, which yeah. is phenomenal. I mean, he was – how did NC State not win every Dude, game? I, I know. I got – I have I have, I have buddies who, who graduated from state because um, I, lived, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina now, and uh, I said the exact same thing to them. How do you have the amount of talent that came out from that school this year and not do more in the ACC? It's mind-blowing. They should have swept – and pushed for a top 10, yeah. you know, ranking. I mean, come on. You got That's the crazy. most versatile player. You got Bradley Chubb, who's a, I don't even know. I don't even want to call him a beast because I feel like that's disgracing Bradley Chubb. I think he's yeah. he's better than a beast. I don't know. Uh, that's just one of the many things I ponder sometimes about college football. You have all this talent coming and I mean, your program just needs to get better, I guess. I, I feel it. I'm a, like I said, I'm a, I'm a pit alum. So uh, I, I feel the, 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 the talent aspect and it not matching and the team not performing well. Exactly. Uh, I totally agree with you. And you're a pit alum. So John Connor. The CPU is enrolled in that processor, a learning computer. What do you think about him? Because I liked him in college, but and it, it's kind of messed up to say, but since he got sick, he hasn't really looked the same. And I know it takes a tear and wear on your body whenever you go through something as bad as that. You know, he's a great person, great story, great situation. Do you think he can become that that future back in Pittsburgh? Yeah, you know, whenever I was I was prospecting last season and I was looking at James Conner's stuff um, and his 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 metrics and his his uh, statistical profile, and then watching him, it uh, definitely was a different back uh, during his final season at Pitt. Um, I'm not convinced that he can just step in and be 
uh, anything significant. You know, again, like I said, I if Le'Veon Bell does leave, I still expect the Steelers to go and draft a running back next year. Um, I think it's a great feel-good story. He's a great dude. Um, but I'm not sure that he'd be able to, you know, carry a, a giant workload at the NFL level. Yeah, to- I'm totally love to hear somebody who has watched him at Pitt, their view on that. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big Connor fan. I drafted him last year in my rookie drafts. I'm a big Samuels fan, so I guess that makes me a Pittsburgh fan in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really good to hear about that. I just, I wish him the best. I love stories like that in the NFL. Uh, James Washington. However, talking about him earlier, how you love him, I had him comp to DeAndre Hopkins, and I was hoping he would go to a team where they absolutely needed a number one receiver, yeah. you know, somewhere. He, I hoped, I was hoping he would go to the Cowboys, actually, because yeah. I feel like he would have been good in that role there. I feel like he would have been awesome, you know, great breakout age. I mean, he was 18 years old, playing like he was in his 20s, just a, a dominant force on the field do you think that he can sustain good like flex consideration this year in that offense now keep in mind you got to compete with brown and juju what do you think his ceiling is yeah i mean i think that we're still looking at what's probably going to be more of a wide receiver five or six in fantasy football um this season uh only because obviously you know he's technically fourth on the on the in the pecking order because Le'Veon bell's there as well um, but like I said, you know, if you look at what James Washington did very, very well in college, I mean, his, his efficiency numbers per target were out of control because he, he just caught deep ball after deep ball from Mason Rudolph. So um, I'm expecting that. That's why that transition from James Washington and what he did at Oklahoma State going to Pittsburgh and literally just filling in for what Martavis Bryant did very well when he was on the field um, and getting that and stretching the field. I think it's the perfect match. Um, it's just it's tough to really get that excited because you know that even if he does perform really well, his ceiling is capped in some way because you have three other really good weapons. You have three other really good weapons. I can't say it better myself. You know, that's the truth of the matter. And what do we do whenever you have three really good weapons and you can't choose one? Choose the guy that benefits from them all and go with the quarterback. If you can yeah. get Ben Roethlisberger late in your draft, if you can get him, let's say, round 14, round 15, I think you might have just won your league. I think that might be what happens right there because you can get a QB1 at the end of your draft, and that's the whole reason why QB is overrated in fantasy. Yeah. Do you do you trade a lot in your leagues? Yeah, I try to at least. I, I try to too, and whenever I do, I play mostly Dynasty leagues. I use Dynasty Trade Calculator, and... I'm not sure if you used it before, but I find it to be a phenomenal thing. They're doing great things over there. So shout out to Dynasty Trade Calculator. You can reach them at FF Dynasty Trades and use the promo code DRAFTGENIUS if you want a discount on their fantastic product. They're really doing well and really, really changing the way that trades are made because you got to think hard whenever you have this calculator and you think other people in the league might have the same information you have. That's a big you know, advantage or disadvantage. One advantage and disadvantage in trading is not knowing what information the other person knows. So what would your three rules be, JJ, before making a trade or before deciding on a trade? What are the three rules or three things you go through in your head before making a trade? 
Um, number one, I'd obviously I'm looking at uh, general players and I'm looking to buy high, sell or sorry, buy, buy low, sell high. Um, and, and obviously you just want to see what the, the general industry is thinking on those players as well. Um, but then when you do that, you go to teams. And I think this is the big key. This is number two is, you, you know, whenever you're going to trade, don't just look for these specific players, but and don't just give people specific players. But instead, look at where these other teams have holes um, and, and fill those needs. I mean, trades in the end, and this could be number three, technically trades in the end should be win win for both sides. Um, that's how deals are done. Um, in the end, someone might lose the trade because someone gets hurt or someone underperforms. But realistically, you're trying to make both teams better. And you have to sell it that way. So, so I'm going through the process of just looking at guys that I want to buy, maybe guys on my team that I want to sell. And then I'm kind of putting these puzzle pieces together and seeing what teams could use my players and what teams or what, and what players they have that I could use. And then in the end, you're able to have a win-win situation. You heard it here. Those are the unofficial official JJ Zacharyson's three rules of trade. That's that's what we're gonna name them. Uh, fun fact: One time I lost the championship to a team that had Trent Richardson starting against me, and uh, I traded my first round rookie pick the next year for him, and that was why he declined. That's why he went on a decline the rest of his <laughs> career because I ended up getting him. <laughs> so, do you think the the Jets should trade Teddy Bridgewater? Curious. I think the problem with doing it right now would be that you're showing your hand a bit um, because obviously if they sign him this off season and then instantly try to flip them, um, then something's wrong or they could sell it that way. And I think that in general um, teams aren't in a bad spot when they have too many decent quarterbacks. If, if someone's viewing him as a decent quarterback. Um, so to me, I would, I would probably just hold tight. Um, I, you know, I don't know what the jets are thinking in their front office, obviously, but if they were to sell them now, it feels like they might not be able to maximize that return. I agree. I agree. I think they brought him in for a reason, and they obviously believe in their talent. They needed very much help at the quarterback position. So this is good for both sides, basically, Teddy B and the Jets. If he pans out and does great, he might potentially you know, battle against Darnold for a spot, uh, or they'll trade him. Either way, somebody benefits out of this, so I think it was a good move overall. I was yeah. just picking your brain because I know you love and you hate quarterbacks. It's yeah. a it's a love hate type of thing. Uh, bringing us to the quarterbacks, is Drew Brees the most disrespected quarterback in the NFL right now? Is he? I mean, he's being written off, and people are saying he's washed after last year putting up what three thousand two hundred yards or something like that. Is he the most disrespected quarterback? I will say I think that he's wildly, wildly uh, undervalued right now. Um, and if you look at what he did from an efficiency standpoint, uh, last year he had the four, his fourth best adjusted net yards per attempt season of his entire career. Um, you know, I think a lot of people look at the the way that the Saints ran that offense and see the the one point two one pass attempt to rush attempt ratio, which is a lot lower than what we've generally seen from them over the last five or six years, which is closer to one point six. Um, so that ratio obviously dropped, but you know, it's something that I mentioned with Tennessee when looking at, uh, how these teams are scoring touchdowns. If you look at what the saints did last year and how they scored touchdowns, they had the same number of passing touchdowns as they did rushing touchdowns. They had a, a 1.00 passing touchdown to rushing touchdown ratio. And that hadn't been lower than two over the last six seasons prior to last season. 
Um, I, I understand that personnel is obviously going to dictate some of that because they added Kamara. They, they boosted that offensive line. Mark Ingram's obviously there. I get it. Um, but these things generally do regress. These things generally do bounce back in some way. I'm not saying it's going to bounce back to 2013 levels when they were throwing the ball uh, more than any other team in the league. Um, but I do think it's going to it's going to bounce back uh, a bit. And the other thing with Drew Brees, he had a 4.3% touchdown rate when his career average is 5.3%. Those numbers do tend to regress. So a lot of people will look at the fact that the Saints are better better defensively. They have a great line now. They have two really good running backs. And as a result of that, that's going to dictate their play and they're going to run the football and they're going to score more rushing touchdowns. I don't disagree with that. I just don't think it's going to be even close to the degree that we saw last season at all. And that's especially true because of that Mark Ingram suspension. I agree 100%. You know, Drew Brees posted his best completion rate last year, which was 72%. You know, he's consistently in that high 60s range. Uh, he broke his record of seven straight seasons with 600 attempts. He broke it and had 536 attempts. So I do think that that last season was an outlier. I totally yeah. agree with you. I mean, he's a QB1 who's being disrespected, and exactly what J.J. preaches, quarterback isn't important you know, to win you a fantasy championship. It isn't important to reach on a quarterback. And Brees is falling in all drafts right now. You can get him for cheap yeah. and – you know, follow that rule, get a quarterback late, and you'll be better off doing that than reaching for one. I mean, since 2010, he's consistently put 4,500 yards up and 32 touchdowns or more since 2010. Mm-hmm. So, and his weapons are drastically improved. I mean, I'm sure much would argue that this is one of the best casts he's had, especially if Cam Meredith can come in and be what he was with the Bears whenever he was making. Um, Matt Barkley look like a fantasy starter. That's come on, Drew right. Brees all the way. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Drew Brees is the man, <laughs> so just draft him in your leagues, please. So, who is the future locked in quarterback one for you? We have Drew Brees, we have Aaron Rodgers, we have Tom Brady, who are undisputed starters. Who's going to be that future guy out of the? Darnold, Baker, Lamar Jackson, Rosen, and Allen. Basically, if you're starting a franchise today, who's your QB1 and why? Yeah, I mean, if I'm looking at this year's class only, um, I, I like Baker the most of this year's class uh, specifically. Uh, his, his production profile in college and his efficiency was unmatched. Uh, we do a lot of work over on Number Fire that that you know looks at statistics that correlate well to, to NFL success, and he really checked every box. Um, he, he, from a numbers perspective, was easily the the best quarterback prospect that was coming out. I understand that he was in favorable conditions, um, but I think that he has what's important at the NFL level, uh, his athleticism and and so on. And the other guy, though, that I think is kind of interesting is Lamar Jackson. I know that you already mentioned that that you love Lamar Jackson, too. Um, one of the the interesting things that, that we've noticed um, since 2013 or so, 2012, is the increase in effectiveness of quarterback scrambling in the league. Um, If you look at a quarterback scramble versus a running back rush versus a a pass, so those three separate plays, the success rate of a quarterback scramble is better than than a pass, which is crazy, and a rush. A running back rush is is pretty worthless, but um, from from a real football perspective. So it makes sense that the athleticism that that Lamar Jackson will bring and what he can do on the ground 
really, really is not only going to do awesome things for your fantasy statute and your fantasy teams, but also for the Ravens. It's it's a really, really big benefit that often goes overlooked. I mean, people look at Cam Newton all the time and they they yell and scream because he's not that great of a passer, but they just ignore what he does with his legs, which is adding so many points um, for that, that Carolina Panthers offense and doing so much for that Panthers offense. The same goes for Russell Wilson in a way as well uh, in Seattle. And Andrew Luck has that low-key ability to to scramble and, and pick up those first downs. So that's why I think Lamar Jackson is really, really intriguing because it is a very, very important trait to have these days uh, at the quarterback position. We love Lamar Jackson and we love Baker. That's the bottom line. You heard it from me and now you're hearing it from J.J. Zacharyson. Let's just get on the same train, everyone, and hype these guys up as much as we can because the word needs to spread. So you brought up running quarterbacks. Brings me to my next little little trivia thing for you. You have Patrick Mahomes on one side, and you have Deshaun Watson on one side. Who's going to be your fantasy quarterback this year out of those two? You know, it's it's a tough spot for me because Deshaun Watson has insane regression coming. Uh, his His touchdown rate could realistically be cut in half. Someone with his touchdown rate, historically... Uh, which hasn't really happened ever, but someone with like an 8% or higher touchdown rate usually sees that drop over 3% the following season. Um, regression. Regression? No, Deshaun Watson can't have regression. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. That's just the the argument that everybody's saying. Deshaun Watson's only going to get better. Right. No, people, no, that doesn't happen. Right, it, it doesn't. And, I mean, his, his weapons are great. Um, obviously, Pat Mahomes' weapons are great, too. You know, in a, in a, in a vacuum, I'm going to just pick Deshaun Watson over Pat Mahomes uh, from a, you know, if, I'm, if I need a quarterback today for fantasy, right? Because we know we've already seen Deshaun Watson do some crazy things. We haven't necessarily seen that from Pat Mahomes. But I don't want to downplay. Like, I think that the, the gap between Watson and Mahomes is a lot smaller than what the majority of people think. I think that's the best way to phrase it. Right, right. And I, I totally agree with you. You take what's proven instead of taking the mystery box. You, you're going to want the boat. Or are you going to want what's behind door number one? You're going to want what you see, the big boat. That's what, that's what I want. I don't want the little toy boat that's behind door number one. You want what's proven to be something great. And Deshaun Watson has done great things already, you know, made great moves, great plays on the field and shown that he can be a star in this league. You know, Mm -hmm. he had that crazy injury, you know, that I didn't see happening to him really. He has proven something. What has Patrick Mahomes proven? Nothing. He had a beautiful showing in the last game that he played in, which was his only game he played in last year. He had a great throw that he made that wowed everybody, but that's such a small sample size compared to Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson doesn't have a bigger sample size either. You know, it's it's really two small sample sizes, and you're picking the bigger of the smaller sample sizes, if that makes sense. So we're we're huge dynasty people here. So who would you trade for Deshaun Watson if you needed a quarterback in dynasty? I'll be I'll be straight up. I wouldn't be trading. Uh, for a quarterback that's but, the answer yeah that's I the mean, answer like, <laughs> it's, it's really and, and if I'm being you know going back to the three things we just talked about I think that it's less about who I would give for a player like that and looking more at what that team would need and kind of offer that player so who would you try to get 
for Deshaun Watson. Flipping it around. You're not going to trade for a quarterback. You're going to stockpile them and wait till they blow up and then sell, sell, sell. So who would you get for Deshaun Watson? Who yeah, would- I mean, I, I, look, Deshaun Watson right now, is, is his value is overinflated in, in Dynasty just because – you know, you you get overinflated quarterback prices in Dynasty naturally because people overrate the longevity aspect of the game. Um, but on top of that, he's coming off this monster season. He's going to regress, but people don't necessarily see that regression. So if you look at ADP, I mean, he's going around. He'll be drafted in startups around guys like uh, Golden Tate, uh, DJ Moore even. I would take over Deshaun Watson. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at most of these types of running backs and wide receivers um, in that you know fourth and fifth round range, I would take all of them basically over Deshaun Watson. Great, that's all we needed. I mean, Deshaun Watson had an amazing season. Not taking that away from him, but I think this is the best season he will ever have, honestly. And that's just coming from what I've seen happen throughout the years. People regret, people regress, and sometimes they don't live up to their crazy rookie season i mean look at dak you know dak's only been in the league for a little while but Dak came onto the scene had a great first year since then he hasn't been as good just using that as an example not comparing dak to sean but just the situation so real quick no explanation needed joe flacco or case keenum i'm just gonna i'm gonna go with case keenum but i i don't feel confident in saying that (laughs) Did you know that Case Keenum is the best NCAA quarterback of all time, technically? Yes, technically he is. Technically he is. I mean, look, the, the, the situation with Keenum, if you look at Keenum versus Flacco, it's more of a, um, you know, we've seen more, um, a higher ceiling re- more recently with Keenum. Um, and then on top of that, I, I do trust his weapons a little bit more. Um, but, I, you know, I'm not necessarily high on either. Right, right. I'm not high on Keenum. I have him in a two-quarterback league, but he did throw for – 5,600 yards in college twice, and his touchdown line was, uh, I'm not 100% sure, so don't hate me if I'm wrong, but it was like 44, 44, 48. He has the most touchdowns and yards in NCAA history. The guy can ball. I'm just happy he has a supporting cast right now because, man, what I saw last year, I got him on a free agency, and he was actually starting some weeks for me, which is great. That's what I loved. So uh, keeping the little short explanations going, we're going to move to running backs real quick. Who do you want from these backfields? We'll start with the Green Bay Packers. Who do you want from that backfield? Uh, definitely Aaron Jones. Uh, he was he was one of the most efficient running backs that the number fire database that goes back to 2000 has ever seen uh, last season. Huge, huge production profile in college. He was one of my favorite prospects, low-key prospects coming out last year. It's a little bit of a backpat there, but it was a... A, uh, a a guy that I, I really I really loved and was drafting everywhere because his, his production profile in college was crazy and he's athletic um, and now he's in an offense that obviously uh, is super good for from a fantasy perspective with Aaron Rodgers there I think he's he's the most talented running back in that backfield and I think that he should hypothetically win out in that situation I hope that he does I agree I, I do think that they go with the committee approach and I yeah. love the yeah. the hard nose pounding running backs I think Jamal Williams could be that um, if it is a committee I think Jones will equal if not surpass Williams's production because he's going to catch more passes he's mm-hmm. going to get more targets you know Williams might have more touchdowns on the ground but Jones will match or be better than that just off of that so what about the Raiders backfield we have Marshawn Lynch Doug Martin DeAndre Washington Jalen Richard and even the rookie Chris Warren mm-hmm. who are you getting out of that 
I, you know, I wish that they would give Jalen Richard a little bit more love. Um, but Same. I, I, don't, I, I don't think they're going to is the unfortunate part. Um, I, I think, I think this is Marshawn's job. Uh, he actually, Marshawn wasn't that bad last season. Um, and, and I think that on top of the fact that Doug Martin is coming, like Doug Martin has realistically been the last two seasons, the worst running back in the NFL who saw any sort of volume. So to me, it's really hard to buy into Doug Martin right now. Uh, Marshawn to me from a redraft perspective, especially is the guy that I would be wanting to own. But I mean, Jalen Richard, you know, last season I was a little bit more into Deandre Washington just because he had a little bit better of a, a college production profile, but you know, it was, it was more of a coin flip. I, I think Jalen Richard is, is probably the most talented back that they have in that backfield right now, at least from a, an all purpose standpoint. Um, but you know, I think their long-term answer probably still isn't on the roster. Jalen Richard can definitely do it. I'm a, I'm a big Chris Warren fan. You know, I liked him in college and I think he can do things, but I don't know if he'll ever get the chance. There is the thing. I don't trust the muscle hamster and beast mode was great last year. Actually, I liked him a lot, but age, that's really it. So, uh, the Jets backfield, we're just going to go who you like real quick. Why? and run through the rest of the running backs and the wide receivers and get on to the next two things. So Jets, who you got? Um, I wanted, I want them to use Elijah McGuire a little bit more than they have, but I, I, you know, I don't know if they're going to, we already sort of know what Isaiah Crowell is. We know what Bilal Powell is. So why not give McGuire somewhat of a shot, but I'm, I'm not very convinced that it's going to happen. I love McGuire. I'm a UL Lafayette alumni, so I took classes with him and everything. He's a uh, he's a very nice guy and very deserving. I just hope he gets the chance. You know, it's the Jets. I'm seeing he's going to play the third down role, which will be great. I don't think Thomas Rawls has anything left to uh, show us, so I'm not too worried about him. How about the Colts? Yeah, the Colts are really interesting too because they, you know, I I didn't expect them. I expected them to draft a running back, but I didn't think their first running back they'd get was would be someone like Naheem Hines, who's, you know, looks like he could probably be playing that Chris Thompson role uh, throughout his NFL career and in this offense. Um, I think Marlon Mack is probably the the favorite um, right now. Uh, but if you look at what he did last year, he's one of the worst running backs in the league at generating positive plays. Uh, so that's definitely a red flag. Jordan Wilkins um, you know, I wasn't necessarily, you know, he wasn't someone that I had my eye on entering the draft, but then after he was selected, I did a little bit more digging. He was one of the more efficient running backs in this entire class in college. Um, so I'm really interested to see where, what, what can happen there. But, you know, I think Marlon Mack is probably the guy that you want this year. Um, but I'm not necessarily buying him from a dynasty standpoint, uh, only because I think there's a lot of question marks in that backfield moving forward. Definitely. I agree with you. I'm going with the cheapest option that I can get, mm-hmm. and that's Jordan Wilkins. That's usually what I do in those kind of backfields. But yeah. Marlon Mack, I mean, he comps to Marshawn Lynch. He he had better college production sometimes than David Johnson. They were in the same draft class. So that's something to kind of keep in the back of your head. I'm not really overpaying for him because a lot of people are trying to get more than what he's worth right now. What about the New England backfield? That's the craziest one of them all, so I had to save it for last. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think that Sony Michelle is going to see a decent amount of work in year one, um, probably more than consensus. Uh, but I, I would love to see what Rex Burkhead could do with more work. I thought that he was really effective last year. Obviously, James White's a great pass catcher, but you know, I think that that Sony Michelle can kind of slot into the Deion Lewis role because while while people think that Deion Lewis is this pass catching back, he really wasn't that in New England. He was more of an early down guy. 
Um, and I think Sony Michelle profiles as that pretty well for New England. I agree, and I'm getting Rex Burkhead in a lot of my leagues because yeah, yeah. Sony's very expensive, and I think their production will be more similar than not. So we're going to go to the segment called Drop It Like It's Hot. I just want one-word answer. I'm a quick-fire questions, and I need to see how well you think on your feet, man. This is this is getting to the heating part of the show. This is about to peak. Most overrated top 10 wide receiver. Mike Evans. Most underrated top 10 wide receiver. Devontae Adams. Most overrated running back, period. In the league, like in general in the league? In in general. Jordan Howard. Good, good. Thinking on your feet. I like it. Most underrated running back. Lamar Miller. Ooh, sizzling. Trent Taylor or Dante Pettis? Dante Pettis. Mike Williams or Terrell Williams? Uh, this one's so, I, I hate this one because <laughs> I, I, I'm not a big Mike Williams fan. Dynasty purposes, I'll say Mike. Redraft, I'll say Tyrell. David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, or Saquon Barkley? Le'Veon Bell. David Johnson or Saquon Barkley? Sa- Saquon Barkley. Ooh. Christian Kirk, Michael Gallup, Cortland Sutton, Anthony Miller, or DJ Moore? So I'm going to say Anthony Miller for year one, DJ Moore for the career. Wow, not Christian Kirk. I was surprised. Okay. Yeah. Best running back out of this draft class five years from now. Not named Saquon Barkley. I'm going to go. I'm going to. I'm going to throw a curve. I'm going to go with Rashad Penny. That's a that's a crazy one. Yeah, I had to that throw just, a little curveball. That that's hey, look, I love it. You know, mine's Nick Chubb. Yeah. But that's just because I'm, you know, I'm a big Georgia fan, and Nick Chubb is my guy. He was the Saquon Barkley, really, before Saquon yeah. Barkley. If you go back and look at his freshman year, yep. uh, favorite tight end, uh, George Kittle. George Kittle, tight end, deep sleeper, not named George Kittle. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, so <laughs> I have two. I, if you don't want to, you know, you can go kind of deep. I think that Eric Ebron is really interesting if Andrew Luck is back. Um, but if you want to go even deeper, I'm going to say Michael Roberts in Detroit as just a complete dart throw tight end. Yes. Yes. Why are you going to trust Luke Wilson? Seattle didn't keep him for a reason. Oh my goodness. All right. Same concept going on. I'm going to give you a name and you tell me what team you'd like to see them get signed with or traded to. We got five. Corey Coleman. Uh, I'll say Dallas. Dallas. I would love that. I like to see him with the Colts too. Yeah, let me go. Rashad Perriman. No team. No team, right. <laughs> he has just flamed out. Oh man, that guy. I don't know what's wrong with him. Uh Amir Abdullah. Uh I think it'd be cool if, if Abdullah went to like Indy. Right? Be an wouldn't interesting that, spot. Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, I think he could be great with the in the right situation, similar to Jalen Reshort, actually. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Williams. Man, I don't know. I'm I'm still a little bit I'm nervous about him making that roster in general. Um, but we'll see. Just because of that that Terrence West signing was a little bit scary. But I'm I'm with you. I think that he's a talented back. Um, so hopefully he can kind of take over that that Ingram role to start the season. Definitely. I hope he stays with the Saints. That'd be nice. Yeah. Bilal Powell. I think he's gonna stay with the Jets. I think that they're they're gonna keep him on the roster. Um, you know. I, a player like Bilal Powell is easily replaceable, so I don't really, you know, have a strong opinion as to where he could potentially go. All right, two more bonus ones. Chris Carson, where does he go now? Because he's talented. He showed that. Uh, I think he's going to just stick with Seattle. 
you wouldn't like to see him anywhere else? You don't think he should? You know, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there, you know, wherever there's an opening, that's 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 fine for fantasy purposes. But I would say with Chris Carson, um, you know, I think that he he's been a little bit overhyped because a lot of I, I think the, a lot of the reason why people are into him is just compared to competition that he had last season. I think he's a, a freak. Uh, I think that he's probably going to dig into Penny's role a little bit this season. Uh, but I also think there's a reason why Seattle got Penny in the first round. I don't agree with it, but I think there's a reason why they did it is because they don't have that much confidence in Carson or as much as, as we might think. You're right. Confidence is the key to, you know, locking down a position. Uh, here's question number four for the listener league. Who is one of the three running backs who have had 50 yard runs in each of their last three years? Would you like to take a guess on one? Oh man. Um, it's, a, it's a it's a brain teaser. It's it's hard, man. They I all have, play in the NFL right now, and they all start for their team. I have no. I couldn't even think of it of of one right now. Exactly, it's hard. So I'm look. JJ couldn't get it. You better try hard to get it at home. So we do um, towards the end of our shows. Usually we do a smart theft, which is basically a player you're buying right now on the cheap that has huge upside and could pay dividends as soon as this season. Mine, I'm going to start it off with Elijah McGuire. I love him. I watched every single game of his in college. I'm kind of biased because I, you know, I knew him as a person. He's going to be a great third down back. He had good receiving, you know, good receiving stats in college. He had consistently like 300 yards, I think in college and he didn't have many touchdowns, but he had sure hands. Uh, he has good upside in that offense. Coincidentally, the guy who worked with David Johnson also worked with Elijah McGuire and said they have a lot of the same characteristics. I'm um, getting him for a fourth-round pick in all of basically my dynasty leagues, which is super cheap for a guy who is already on a team and is consistently getting positive reports from that team. Last year, he didn't play much but he had like 88 rushes for 315 yards and a touchdown. And he caught 17 passes, which was like 10 passes. I mean, 10 yards per catch in his yards per reception. And he had 177 yards and a touchdown. So I think he, think he has shown that he can be, you know, a role player at least. Uh, he does have a little fumbling issue, but that's fixable. Who would your guy be? Um, mine's, mine's Tyler Lockett. Um, the, the reason is not because I think that he's, uh, phenomenal or I think that he has this massive, massive ceiling. I think he has a decent ceiling though. I mean, only a couple of years ago, people were comping him to some of the better possession receivers in the league, um, and, 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 and uh, technicians in the league, but, um, you know, B Marsh might not make that team, uh, Lockett's now seeing a clearer path to targets. And I think that you can at least tell yourself a narrative where the last couple of seasons he hasn't performed because of the injuries that he's sustained. So, I, you know, it's not like he's been unproductive or completely unproductive throughout his three years in the league. And then you add on the injuries, um, then you're associating a player with Russell Wilson. I think Tyler Lockett's a really interesting buy right now. Right. We want players that are tied to elite quarterbacks. And, I mean, the best fantasy quarterback of them all can argue, arguably be Russell Wilson. You know, that's a that's a fact. You can't argue that you cannot argue that he's not top three because of what he's done. But you can argue that he is definitely the best. Yeah. So I, I totally agree with that. What would you trade for him in a dynasty league? You know, I actually traded uh, I got him for a third today. 
wow. So that's I, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so just just to give you some context, I mean, he's basically free. Uh, that's that's the way that I'm viewing him. He, he, there's really not a lot of downside in trying to get Tyler Lockett right now. Right. It's only up from here. Plus, Paul Richardson's out the door, so he's their fastest guy by far. Right. Before we get to the parting shots. Where do you think Tevin Coleman goes next year, or do you think he stays with Atlanta? I'm curious to pick your brain because I, I think personally that he could go to the Steelers. You know, we talked about yeah. them drafting a running back, but what if they already go with the proven commodity and get him, or even if he goes to the Colts? Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 running back landscape is so dynamic and changes so much, just given how guys perform and and running backs just dropping off as we see each year. So there's a lot of destinations for him to go to, um, but or, or there could be. But I, I think that he's definitely gone. I think that one of the reasons why he's gone is because Atlanta in the fourth round got Edo Smith, who really profiles as a quintessential pass catching back in the NFL. He's a perfect complement to Devontae Freeman. So I think Edo Smith is someone to buy. Or, you know, if you haven't done, had, a, had your rookie draft yet, someone to draft because he could take on sort of that Tevin Coleman role next season. Great. Uh, I think that's a viable answer. You know, I think Ito Smith is a good investment, especially whenever you're getting him in round five or round four of your rookie draft. Right. That's somebody who could pay off as soon as the end of this year, really. Or if something happens to one of the Atlanta running backs, he could have a role instantly. So now on to the parting shots. You know, just a little quick little three-piece hitting the quarterback, running back, wide receiver position. A lot of competition talks around the league are worrying fantasy players you know whether it's one position have an effect on the other and all these little things here and there that piece together to form the outcome of what you're going to project for the rest of the season basically let's start with Dak Prescott at the quarterback position what do we do with a quarterback who has no definite wide receiver one all of his receivers have basically been wide receiver ones at one point in their career but we're talking about college now that they're at the NFL level, they've never been a wide receiver one on a team. So what do we do with the big question mark of wide receiver one? Yeah, so I, I think with with quarterbacks in general, you should only be worried about if that quarterback has real top five upside because otherwise he's not giving you any sort of edge in fantasy football. Um, you can stream quarterbacks. You can stream a quarterback six Frankenstein pretty easily in most leagues. You know, if you're in a dynasty league, you can have a platoon uh, of, of pretty mediocre guys who are giving you that type of production. So for me with Dak, um, you know, I don't think that you can get to that top five upside without having that true number one or or, or any good weapons. And we know they're going to be a run heavy team as well. So I'm not really that high on Dak. Is he undraftable in redraft leagues this year? I don't know if he's undraftable, but he's definitely not someone, you know, if, if you're getting late in drafts and you're looking at like Marcus Mariota versus him, I'm going with Mariota. If you're looking at Jameis Winston, as long as Jameis doesn't get suspended, you know, I'd go with Jameis. You know, I think there's a, those types of players are, are more favorable and in more favorable spots than Dak. Great. So Nick Chubb, we know that they like Duke Johnson Jr. and they just signed him to an extension. What What's the outlook of Nick Chubb now that they just signed Duke Johnson to an extension and that... You know, they do have Carlos Hyde there, who they did pay uh, to come in. They didn't just get him for free. Yeah, I, I mean, I think from a year one standpoint, he's going to be more of a, a flex type player um, at at best, maybe just because of the, the Carlos Hyde situation. If Carlos Hyde is still around, I don't think Hyde's going to be there past next season or past this season, I should say. Um, the one thing I will say with Nick Chubb is that it depends on what your expectations were for him, you know, entering the league. If you thought that Chubb wasn't going to be that much of a pass catcher, then the the signing of Duke Johnson might not have changed your expectations that much. 
But I will say that anytime that a team adds a pass catching back or or tells you that they're going to keep a pass catching back, it's going to alter the way that we view even a, a player who you might not have thought was going to catch a lot of passes. A good example of this is Jordan Howard. You know, year one, Jordan Howard had, I think, 50 targets in the in the 15 games that he played. That dropped significantly, dropped by about 18 uh, when Tariq Cohen came and, and Jordan Howard played more more games this past year. Um, so I, I think that we're looking more at like that Jordan Howard situation now that they signed Duke Johnson. So just side note, Tariq Cohen or Jordan Howard? Um, I'm still going with Jordan Howard. Okay, interesting. So last but not least, we got the man with the plan, Julio Jones, who has been a top three receiver for a long, long time, basically since he's come into the league. Well, the Falcons did a little something during the draft and drafted Calvin Ridley, and he arrived and pissed everybody off, basically. Well, probably just Julio, but what do we do with Julio? Is this the sign of things to come? Is he on the you know, the uh, the Calvin Johnson career path where he's going to retire early and kind of just shock everybody? Or do the Falcons see something like, hey, Julio might need some help, more help than Sanu could give him? What was the outlook on this situation? Yeah, I mean, I think Calvin Ridley is just more of a complimentary piece. That's kind of how I viewed him as a prospect. Uh, I don't think that he's a true number one, but I think he's a perfect fit in Atlanta. You know, he's someone who can stretch the field, uh, doesn't have a massive frame, uh, but and and so you know I don't think he's going to do a ton in the red zone per se. It's not like Julio's done a ton in the red zone, but um, you know I don't see the signing as something that's going to hinder Julio in the next year or two, um, maybe down the line. But I'm not that concerned about it. Right, I agree. Uh, I do think Calvin Ridley's talented, but I don't see him being a wide receiver one. Right. Um, you know, in the future, wise they do still have Sanu too, so Ridley could easily be the third best wide receiver this year yeah. at least. Um, who's your Who's the person you have on most of your teams? Like, who's your most drafted player you're finding, or your most required player to have on a roster? The guy that I have the most, just from a shares perspective, is Aaron Jones, but I also have a ton of Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay is someone who I think, you know, I, I last season, right after the draft, I made a snarky tweet, sent a snarky tweet. It was like May 5th or 6th or something, so it was like right after the draft, uh, saying that that Kenny Galladay is uh, basically nicknaming Kenny Galladay Babytron. Um, <laughs> and if you look at his profile, I mean, he's a big-bodied receiver, we saw him, especially against against Patrick Peterson last season against Arizona, we saw him flash that upside. Um, there's a lot of hype coming out of camp right now. I, I think that he can take on a larger market share than most people think this season. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how that shifts the way that we view someone like Marvin Jones, because obviously both of those guys will be playing on the outside. Um, and I think Kenny Galladay could have a breakout season right here, sophomore year. So the two guys that I own the most of, uh, Aaron Jones and Kenny Galladay. Awesome. Awesome. I, I do have a free agency, actually, acquisition that I'm about to make. Somebody dropped Kenny Galladay to pick up a rookie that had like a third round ADP or something like that. Oh, gosh. So uh, I think I'm about to pounce on that right now. I might bet most of my fab on that, too, because that's yeah. a rook. That's a guy who can instantly produce. Uh, what's your most boldest hot take? This is the last question, I promise. Boldest hot take? Man. This has to be the hottest, like the the flame is burning, the world is ending, everything was on fire, and it's the one hot take you're gonna stick. Man, by I thought year. I thought my Rashad Penny one was gonna be the hot one. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'll, I'll say that. Okay, here's here's one. I'm gonna say that Rashad Matthews has more targets than Corey Davis this year. 
And I'm going to say Taewon Taylor outproduces Corey Davis this year. I dig that. I, like, here's the thing. I, I like Corey Davis. I think that Corey Davis is great. I just, I don't know how that target distribution is so concrete to a lot of folks here, here in his, his second season. I think that you could see, uh, like I, I can see a scenario pretty easily where Richard Matthews out targets him. I don't think it's the likely scenario, but I think it's still a scenario. Easily, easily. I mean, you can see a bunch of scenarios in that offense. Really, they have, a, I mean, a new coach and everything. So a lot could happen. Uh, they're not really committed to anybody per se, but I mean, they are still committed to Corey Davis. Don't get me wrong. You know, not trying to, to twist this whole scenario, but if one guy shines more than others, he's going to become that guy. Yeah. Whether it's Rashawn Matthews who proved himself. Corey Davis showed a little bit at the last game of last season. And then I love Taewon Taylor. His college production yeah. was phenomenal. I mean, he yeah. was the cheat code. I don't know why he ended up going to the Titans. But, uh, man, he's phenomenal. Yeah. So that's, that's I mean, that's how we're going to end it on a hot take. Thank you so much for coming, man. This was a blast. You know, I'm always listening to the late round pod as I'm brushing my teeth in the morning, getting ready. <laughs> takes me about 15, you know, 20 minutes to get out of the house. And that's the perfect way to start my nice. morning. You know, that's the best way. If you're looking for a quick show to get you, you know, pumped up in the day and even on your lunch break, plug it in and you get an hour's worth of information in about 20 minutes on average. And it's phenomenal. It's the late round podcast with JJ. And it's on the number fire network, right? It's it's to do with number fire, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's all in the number fire. Yeah, you could you could just search for the late round podcast and it'll pop up. And number fire is a free site to be a part of. They have yeah, yeah, for free. All you got to do is sign up. And I mean, these are grinders like JJ who just you know they just spit out facts and just goodness gracious, they basically fire numbers at you. Wow. <laughs> That just clicked. Hold on. <laughs> it's, it's a revelation. They just fire the numbers at you. Thank you, man, so much. We got a draft kit coming up for all you listeners. Uh, it's going to be the the Draft Genius kit, and this is something that we've been working on all off season. So get it while you can. It's going to be coming soon. DraftGenius.com is getting worked on right now. That will be coming soon as well. We have a Patreon that funds the show and all of the basic new equipment that needs to come in. It's patreon.com slash dynastywire. Also, donate to Rob's GoFundMe to help him with his disease and his treatment. You can follow us at the Draft Genius on Twitter and on SleeperBot. I'm on there as well at SWDraftGenius. And you can follow JJ at the Late Round QB or at Late Round QB, I'm sorry, on Twitter. He's a great follow for not just fantasy, just for sports talk in general. This guy's awesome. Thank you, JJ, for everything. This is the parting moment, the shining moment. You have a minute to say whatever you want to say. I, I honestly don't have much. Uh, I just appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, and obviously, you know, you already already touted a lot of the stuff, the late round podcast that I'm doing. Um, you know, it's, it's really a, a passion podcast for me where – I really am treating each one sort of as like a TED talk. That's kind of the the angle that I went for it. So it's a 15 to 20, 25 minute podcast of me talking. Sometimes I have guests. Um, so hopefully people dig it and check it out. A lot of evergreen episodes where, you know, you can listen to episodes from last year and they're still relevant for your fantasy teams this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's really that's that's the passion project. And the thing that I'm working on most right now is that late round podcast. It's great. Do you have anything coming up that 
you want to let the listeners know about? Any big articles you're working on or any anything in general? Yes. So I had the, uh, the, the big Superflex article that I published a, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, uh, and then a Keeper article that went out yesterday. Um, but then I'm going to do, I'll be trying to do a, a tight end article and tight end strategy. A lot of my, my content and kind of my bread and butter is looking at the high level trends and looking at, at the, the game theory aspect of fantasy football, you know, alongside, obviously it's important to do player projections and, um, you know, understanding how player situations look and in, in order to get the right guys. But looking at trends and, and looking at strategy and how to get edges that way in fantasy football is often overlooked. So I do a lot of work um, from that perspective. So a lot of those articles are going to be coming out in July. That's it, folks. You heard it. JJ has a lot to offer. We have a lot to offer. All we're trying to do is help you win that fantasy gold. I'm Draft Genius, and that is my guest leading right now for guest of the year, JJ Zacharyson. And we're out. Thank you.